Fun fact. Portland is the home to the most strip clubs. Yes, this city has 54 strip clubs and has more than twice as many strip clubs as it has public restrooms. So you heard me right. You're more likely to find a strip club versus a public bathroom in Portland, Oregon. Portland is the capital of Oregon and Oregon is located right above California. So yeah, Portland is outnumbering places I thought that have had more strip clubs like Vegas, Miami, Atlanta. No, no, no. Portland is the stripper city. That's the fun fact of today. Welcome back to That Wasn't In My Textbook, our weekly podcast that helps us uncover the things we always wish we learned from that boring, bulky textbook. I'm your host, Toya, and you're now listening to season three, episode three on the history of exotic dancing. I'm in love with a stripper. A great song by the man that used autotune to change, to define a generation, the great T-Pain. In this episode, we are going to go all the way back. I mean, way, 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 way back in history to see where the art of seduction and stripping all began. Today, we are talking spicy. Well, yeah, because we're learning about a sexy, seductive, lucrative, controversial, recession-proof, pandemic-proof art form, stripping. Now, there are many names for this besides stripping, like exotic dancing, go-go dancers, pole dancing. Sometimes people lump in burlesque dancers all into this title, into this art form. Overall, I actually think exotic dancer is a term that some folks prefer to be called while others don't mind being called shivers. Some people hate it. Some people love it. For the sake of this episode and keeping it spicy and just talking the way that I normally talk, I'll be using exotic dancer and stripper interchangeably. Of course, when I'm using these terms, I mean no disrespect at all. If anything, I have the utmost respect for people who decide to strip or work in the sex, entertainment, adult industry in any capacity. The adult industry wouldn't be so popping and lucrative if sex work wasn't needed. So clearly, those who are in this industry are providing an experience, a service, and solving a problem because there is a demand, okay? I think it takes a lot of courage to put your body out there. It's hard work to maintain a certain aesthetic. It takes talent. It takes literal strength, a lot of upper body strength, <laughs> to provide these experiences for people. And it takes patience and pose, poise, poise, that's the word, to deal with some of the handy disrespect that comes along with the industry as well. So shout out to all the exotic dancers, strippers, anyone really in the sex entertainment, adult entertainment industry. Shout out to y'all. Now, when this idea of this episode first popped into my head, I was actually on a trip to Atlanta, which before today's fun fact, I thought, 
was a stripper capital of the U.S., but clearly I was wrong. In October, I went to ATL for the first time ever. Yeah, I said for the first time ever. Don't try to take my black card away, black people, okay? I'm sorry. I've never been to Atlanta before. <laughs> but of course, I wanted to check out Magic City. It's popular. Everyone's always talking about it. The rapper's always rapping and talking about it. So that, you know, y'all knew. If y'all know me, you knew I wanted to go there first. <laughs> and so we went, me and my partner. And we had a great time. The energy was dope. The ladies were beautiful, acrobatic. There was hookah. There were drinks. It was fun. And I even finally got to make it rain. And when I tossed that money in the air and I looked around and then I looked down and I saw all that money on the floor, like so much money, you couldn't even see the ground. You're just stepping on money everywhere. I thought, hmm, maybe I missed my calling. (laughs) why am I a historian? What am I doing? (laughs) Okay. Well, yes. (laughs) You know, after that thought crossed my mind and I came back to reality, I was like, damn, I need to do a history of stripping episode. Yes. Y'all my nerdy ass was in magic city thinking of a podcast episode. (laughs) My only regret of the night was not talking to a stripper to invite her to be a guest on today's episode and also not getting like any twerking tips from them. You know what I mean? Like my twerk game is kind of weak. So that's a little background of just how we got to today's topic. (laughs) My trip to Magic City. Okay. That's how we got here. And I know every episode I'm always like, it's going to be such a good episode. It really is. And like, I really do believe that every time y'all. And this is not anything different like this is gonna be a really good episode the research that I did the things that we're gonna learn together are really really interesting if you are a new listener welcome you picked a spicy episode for your first episode I see you I like that make sure you subscribe because this is the history class you never knew you always wanted to take and for my a1 and day ones welcome back I appreciate you. Today is a quick solo dolo episode with me, myself, and I. And we are going to dive right, or should I say slide down the pole (laughs) into the subject. And we're going to start off covering the definition. So we are on the same page about what we're talking about today. We're going to go back in time and find out who were the first people to take their clothes off. Why did they do it? When, you know, all that good stuff. Like, where did this all begin? We're going to talk about Middle Eastern and African influence on this art form. And we're just going to get into the nitty gritty of one of the most popular, successful, lucrative industries. We're going to uncover all the things you never knew you wanted to know about stripping. Because let me tell you, if this was in my textbook, if stripping was in my textbook, maybe I'd have a different career. <laughs> no, okay, maybe I would have just paid more attention and enjoyed history class. I don't know if I would have been inspired to be a stripper or even if I'm even cut out, you know what I'm saying? So let's start with the definition. Today's definition is brought to you by Urban Dictionary. Not like sponsored, like I'm not getting checks yet, but I love the definition that I found in Urban Dictionary because I just felt like it had the best description and the best example sentences. So when you look up stripper or exotic dancer, this is how it's defined in the Urban Dictionary. An individual, male or female, with the athletic prowess of a jungle cat and the tits or balls enough to take off their clothes and dance around 
butt naked in front of a crowd of people for tips. These people are adept in the art of flirting, fantasy creation, and erotic dance. Not a profession for the weak-willed or the faint heart. It is an art not understood by many and thus often disrespected. Example sentences here. The stripper at the club downtown makes more paper in one night than most of you make in a month. (laughs) I really like that one. I also took that one kind of personal because it's probably true. I, I believe it. The next sentence example I like to share is, I'm a stripper. I make more money in four hours shaking my ass than you do in four days breaking your ass. That sounds like a rap lyric, but I'm a snap to that because that shit's probably true. <laughs> so that's just what we're talking about today, this art form. But where did all of this start? You know, who were the first people to take their clothes off for entertainment? Did When did the money come in? When did the poll come in? You know, how did this whole art form come to be to this modern day version that we see today? And research takes us all the way back, y'all. The early evidence of exotic dancing can be traced to the caveman days, like the early formations of us as human beings. That blew my mind. Research found cave paintings that were 20,000 years old. So exotic dancing has been around for a long time or like early traces of it, right? Also, archaeologists literally uncovered miniature statues of exotic dancers that were near the Black Sea in like Romania kind of areas. And these statues were estimated to be found 9,000 years ago when we were figuring out agriculture and settlements and early civilization was being formed. This is when these erotic statues were being created 9,000 years ago. I can't even wrap my mind around it. Now, the stuff that was happening 20,000 years ago and 9,000 years ago isn't quite the same as what we see today in the exotic dancing stripping era. Initially, it's believed that dancing designed to sexually stimulate and to show the body really began as an ancient and dare I say religious ritual to gain the favor of the goddess of fertility and motherhood in hopes of a successful reproduction as well as an increase in abundance of crops. So it didn't start out that way, but these are kind of like the early traces. And throughout this whole episode, we're going to look at all these traces, connect the dots and get to modern day stripping exotic dancing. So from there, we jump to kind of like the Greek and Roman empires following the caveman times and all of that. And so erotic dances were performed by priestess in sacred temples during the Greek and Roman empires. The artwork found from this time traces it back and shows women dancing, removing different articles of clothing to the point of being in their birthday suit, aka being naked. <laughs> um, and it is believed that some of the most beautiful women were selected to do these sexual seducing movements in honor of the moon, the hunt, the god of wine, among other ritualistic purposes. One pop-in popular dance move during these empires would involve a woman being draped in animal fur, a little chinchilla, you know what I'm saying? Sorry, PETA. 
And this woman would pose and do different movements as she removed these little pieces of fur, revealing her naked, I'm a quote, gyrating, I really want to say that, body. Then from the Greek and Roman empires, we jump into the 14th century, into the Middle East with some, you know, some brown folks some people of color. And we see belly dancing hit the scene. Now, belly dancing doesn't involve taking any clothes off, right? No clothes being removed. But the movement of the hips and the waistline and the pelvis and the whole body and the whole purpose, right, of it was seduction in a sexual way. And it became extremely popular. And this is where we see the money start rolling in. Because while the belly dancers didn't take their clothes off, it was during this time in the 14th century that we first see audience members starting to make it rain or maybe I should say make it drizzle because they were like throwing coins not dollars (laughs) and they're throwing coins at the dancers and paying for erotic dance services and during this time you know belly dancing was popular and erotic dancing was super popular even in temples in India in the form of sacred rituals as well. So following the belly dancing, we get into the 18th century and go back into the sexual entertainment kind of focusing on in Europe because it starts to pop off there. We're moving from the Middle East, remember? And everyone is just doing and talking everything sensual and erotic. And so during this time, we see the rise of the compliments of the ladies of the court, which were just women who were paid to erotically entertain dudes as they dine during celebrations and banquets. These women popularized the use of the fan as a prop, which they used to compliment their dancing and to look mysterious. We fast forward 100 years later, from the laities of the court, and we see the creation and the rise of the burlesque dancer. Mm -hmm. Y'all following me? So let's just check in real quick. So we went from the religious rituals, dancing for the gods for reproduction and all that other stuff, to belly dancing of the Middle East, to laities of the court, to now burlesque. (laughs) Now burlesque, burlesque stepped the whole sexual entertainment game up like stepped it all the way up because these performances were not only about being sexual and removing clothes but it was a complete fucking production and involved music the women were singing they were doing comedy making you laugh they were dancing and doing theatrics and sexual parody like shit was a whole show and the whole sexual part was just kind of like a fraction of it right but while that was the initial thought of burlesque eventually it was quickly discovered that the main attraction kind of was the sex and the nudity like let's be real so over time burlesque shows began to focus mainly on suggestive sexual dances and the routines turned a little more raunchy and risque of course you know the church preached against all this type of performances but you know it only got more popular word on the street is that there are some African influences in this um, erotic dance culture that we've been talking about. 
So the dances of the Gawazi in North Africa and Egypt consisted of the erotic dance called Dancing of the Bees that was performed by a woman. And she would usually disrobe as she searched for an imaginary bee trapped within her garments. Hence the name Dance of the Bees. Of course... As colonizers do, they colonize. The French colonists saw this and observed this tradition happening in North Africa and took it back to Europe to form the striptease that we see in France. And that was how we got to stripteasing, which followed burlesque. The early roots of stripping we see today first appeared on the scene in the 1800s, right? So the French colonizers brought the striptease over from North Africa and they introduced it to Europe. And it was a gradual, soft, sensual way to undress in order to tease and arouse. As the name suggests, women slowly undress themselves layer by layer revealing more and more of the flesh down to the nipple pasties and the G-strings, just enough to cover up, you know, the coin purse, (laughs) you know, the lady pocket. (laughs) And men just like drooled and went crazy, right? With each piece of clothing being taken off during the strip tease. And that would lead men to shout. And that's how the strip tease catchphrase caught on, which is, Take it off. Take it off. I don't think anyone uses that anymore, but you've heard it at some point, whether it's in entertainment or anything like that. That was because of strip teasing from the 1800s. Like, how crazy is that? So after the strip tease came out, a sexual provocative belly dance known as the Hoochie Coochie was introduced in Philly in the U.S. And it became really popping. Like a lot of the ladies were doing it and a lot of the men were enjoying it. And while people were doing the Hoochie Coochie in Philly, across the pond in Paris, women were doing the French Can-Can, which was made famous by the Moulin Rouge Cabaret. Now, the can-can dance, kind of like, I don't know if you know about the Rockettes. They do the, or, you know, in New York around the holiday time, which is perfect, right? And the can-can dance involves women getting in a line, wrapping their arms around each other and showing their leg and kicking in unison, showing a little panty, a little leg. They're in high heels and they're just kicking their legs high as shit. And so the the hoochie coochie was happening in Philly and across the pond, the can-can was popping off. And the Paris can-can, the French can-can eventually spread to America and it became a very popular pastime for men. And the guys drooled over the dancers who would lift up their leg to reveal their thighs, you know, the thighs save lives, their puffy slips and their underwear. So following this hoochie coochie <laughs> Can Can era. That's when it all happened, y'all. Finally, <laughs> it finally happens. The pole gets introduced to exotic dancing, and this new twist, and this new twist, this new prop of the pole took exotic dancing to a whole nother level, baby. Pole dancing originated, started at the height of America's depression in the 1920s. 
It was during this time that we started to see traveling fairs and traveling shows that would go from town to town to town to town to entertain with many different types of sideshows that were held in tents. One of the main attractions that would be held in these tents would be women who would strip tease on a small stage in front of cheering men. Think, take it off. <laughs> take it off. I had to bring that back, y'all. So naturally, ladies incorporated the tent pole that was keeping the tent up in these tent shows into their strip tease routine. So they would climb to the top of the pole, grab the pole, swirl around it, grind on it, gyrate on it. And so then the tent pole became known as the dance pole. Later on, pole dancing. <laughs> Yeah, y'all, 1920s. That's when the pole came onto the dancing scene, the erotic dancing scene. So then in the 1950s, dancing graduated from tents and we started to see bars pop up. And that's when we started getting the pole dancing. And that included not only the pole, obviously, but the elaborate and intriguing costumes as a part of the whole erotic dancing act, right? And stripping became a good old American staple. Strip clubs were frequently raided and shut down for, you know, going against some decency laws. But similar to what happened with prohibition with alcohol, the government and the church couldn't stop the popularity of this new form of entertainment. And they couldn't control where men spent their money in their free time. Like you can't tell people what to do with their money, you know. As a result, the hating ass government and city used zoning laws to restrict where clubs could be built and restrict the interactions between dancers and their customers, which kind of shut strip clubs down for a little bit and made it a little bit whack. It wasn't kind of as popping as like, you know, the, the 20s and the 30s, like the 50s. It kind of died down a little bit. And... <sighs> But the hippies, the revolutionaries, the feminists, the womenists of the 1960s and 70s really brought stripping and the strip club back on the scene because there was this whole sexual revolution and empowerment that of that time period that helped strip clubs stay in the game despite the public protests and the hate and nasty strict city regulations. By the end of the 1970s, strip clubs always had poles and stripping and strip tees and poles came hand in hand and was in every strip club. There was a pole. Lap dancing didn't come onto the scene until after the pole was introduced. And lap dancing came onto the scene in the 90s in Canada. Thank you, Canada. <laughs> lap dancing eventually made its way over to the United States and was made legal in this country in 1999, which really wasn't that long ago. Like, what? Also in the 90s, pole dancing and kind of like stripping started to change into an actual form of exercise for women. And so we started to see pole fitness, classes, videos, and even a national pole dancing championship was created in the 90s. 
nowadays in most strip clubs, you know, women wear the cute skimpy outfits. They do mostly pole work and you can, you can pay for lap dances. Don't ask me how I know that. (laughs) Sorry, mom. But yeah, that's how we got here. What started out as an ancient ritual for reproduction and harvest has evolved into a modern day entertainment for men and women. Stripping has come a long way, baby, like 20,000 years ago. I never would have guessed that. So if we were to put this all in order of operations of like how stripping has evolved or how did we get stripping or exotic dancing, it would go like this. It was started with the ancient ritual for reproduction and religious kind of ceremony. Then we got into the belly dancing. Then we got into the ladies of the court. Following that was the bee dance, burlesque, striptease, the Philly Hoochie Coochie, the Paris Can Can, the pole dancing, and the Canadian lap dancing. So that is the order right there, which is pretty amazing. Hopefully you found that as fascinating as I did. Hopefully I did a decent job kind of taking you through a timeline through words to explain how we got here. But yeah, that was a lot, y'all. And I wonder how all of you feel about that. So please let me know in any comments, DM me, hit me up. I would love your feedback on this episode. I feel like my mind was blown over and over and over again. The whole tent pole to stripper pole thing, it really had my mouth open. I was like, what? Now, every time I see a stripper pole, I'm going to think of that. Let me know what you learned or found interesting, okay? Because I want to know. We could talk about this. And yeah, that's the episode. You know, as usual, I'm always begging y'all for reviews. I haven't had a review since September. If you're currently on the Apple app, that's where most of my listeners are, you know, tap three dots in the top right corner, upper top right corner or lower um, corner, and a menu is going to pop up and it's going to give you an option that says go to show. It's the third down, third option down in that menu. When you go to show, you can scroll all the way down past the episodes and you'll see the review section. There'll be in really fine print in purple. It's unfair, Apple. It will be an option for you to tap and click write a review and you can just do a couple of sentences if this is your first episode or your second or your third, you know, um, just leave a couple of sentences, even just about this episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love to hear about it. I read every review. Um, I wish there was a feature so I could reply to some of them because some of them are so good and I really appreciate it. And I would love to say thank you. Either way, thank you all for listening. Um, Thank you for the support. I've been getting a lot of good feedback for season three and I really, really appreciate it. Rolling out these episodes weekly has been fun. I thought it was going to be super stressful and it is, but it's been more fun than stressful. And I, I really like that. Um, so thank you for rocking with me. I love learning together. Make sure you're following us all over the interwebs. Thank you for the review. I'm just going to thank you because I know you did it. You know, you followed my instructions if they were clear. (laughs) Come back next week for a new juicy out of the textbook history topic Hint, it's going to be about Thanksgiving and I'll be releasing it early on Tuesday, November 23rd. Wow. Can we talk about how it's like mid to end of November already? Like when did that happen? Like, you know what? Never mind. I don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Come back for that Thanksgiving episode though. Okay. (laughs) 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. And until next time, remember, knowledge is power.